Yeah, you're you're a cool person. You're, you're really just being sarcastic, cool. and it's hurtful now. No. Holla. Holla, 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 holla. Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us know what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. The Rockies have just won a series in L.A. against the Dodgers since 2018. How pumped are we? Let's just start with that. How stoked, how excited are we that we just beat the Dodgers? I'm pretty pumped considering how the first game went. I am excited. So that's pretty much all there is to it. Um, I think Kevin Pillar just kind of brought this a spark to us. Does you guys get that feeling too? It's like he's not even – I mean, he's playing well, but it just seems like after that trade, like everybody's just kicking it up. You can make the argument that it should have been a sweep with the Pilar Grand Slam. Yeah, that was that was a nice – I wish that was a winner because that was that was just a beautiful Grand Slam right there. I shit you not. I was watching my I was watching on my phone outside. Uh, we're sitting around the bonfire, sitting around the campfire. Watch the Kevin Pilar Grand Slam. It goes off, and then all of a sudden, my phone died. As soon as like Pilar like touched tone play, my phone died. I was like, "All right, we're good. Five four, we're good." No, but it was it was just kind of ironic. Like he turned my lights out. He knocked the lights out. Right. Like that's cool. We. We won. We won in. We won in LA. Like that's it. That's all we can say. Suck it. Let's go. Yeah, that that was that was a big big series win there, especially when we're everybody's saying it's it's now or never. So to go to LA and win a series, that's huge. <laughs> Kyle you take Freeland. the momentum and, and go from twenty twenty and um, take the momentum and you know, carry it on from here on out, then we're, we'll be pretty, pretty solid. Uh, I will take the Matt Kemp two run home run to, to win the game over the Pilar grand slam. Like if I had to have anything, I'll definitely take the Matt Kemp two run bomb to win it. Well, bro, dude, you're just like a Kevin Pilar hater. So I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but you'll come around. Nah, I, that was a really, move he's he's ignited this offense which is awesome no you you hate you hate Pilar you are not a fan you are so yeah, mad I'm I'm being sarcastic I hate that guy <laughs> <laughs> one thing about Pilar that I absolutely love that has nothing to do with his baseball games is watching him run around center field with those white cleats like there's just something about white cleats on Pilar I don't know it just does it for me because he looks fast uh, I mean, white shoes make you fast. That's why that's all I wear. Let's go. Like, even my dress shoes are white. Suck it, Joshua. Um, we, Marquez had a great outing. I think we have solidified our one-two punch, maybe one-two-three punch with Almonte, Bard, and then throwing Givens there. Like, can we safely say we have a seven-eight-nine? We have a seven-eight-nine plan? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you ever feel comfortable with any kind of plan. The bullpen's thrown together, but I'll take anything I can get. It reminds me of that clip from uh, the old guy off Major League. Major League. He's got Vaseline and he's got, he's got the stuff all over his hat, and so sometimes he just rubs the jalapeno all on his nose. And he looks at Vaughn. <laughs> I'm not as young as you. I'll, I put everything on that I can get. That's kind of how the bullpen is, man. Like, 
just throwing it together as best we can. Yeah, um, I don't know. Michael Givens coming in is just so huge for us right now, but it's it's really just a crapshoot for anybody else. So it's you just kind of hope that there's one or two guys that are, are feeling it and playing well for a bit that can fill in those other innings. I don't I, – I, this is Almonte, dude. He got two wins, and he came in, shut it down. Like, I, I get excited when I see him come up on the bump, and it's good. And Barr just throwing 100 in a high-pressure situation. Like, give me that. Yeah, I think I, I'm going all in on the 7-8-9 combo. That Bard has been surprisingly good. I mean, how do you how do you even do that? You don't play baseball like in the pros for like seven years, and you're still throwing 100 miles an hour. That's insane. My question is though: is what happens when you don't have one of those guys available? So, you know, Givens goes two innings one game, or Bard throws back to back. Then all of a sudden, you know, you have to go to Diaz or somebody else. And then your major league scenario comes into play. I get it. I mean, not only that, well, but it's the bullpen altogether. Watching every single out is is stressful. It's so it, – In all fairness, though, I mean, like, Diaz can't come in and shut it down. Um, it's just like a matter of, you know, people just got to be on that day and outside of the, the main guys, but – I don't know. I don't feel that scared when Diaz comes in. I mean, he's a little bit shaky, but it's not – that's kind of like what you expect from, like, a, you know, your fourth or fifth best reliever. I mean, it's true. I just, it's true. That's what I, I, I mean, just think we – It's think we not just it, him, though. It's, it's everybody. Like, you ha literally have no idea who may or may not implode that day or who's <laughs> down that day. And that's, that's – <laughs> Is, is it just the Rockies fan in me saying, like, isn't that just how it is? Like, <laughs> you know, with relievers? I mean, if you got, if you got like, two or three sh shutdown dudes or at least, like, solid relievers, then you're probably in the upper end of, of bullpens. Absolutely. And we are watching the game live right now against the Padres game on. That was a crazy play in the bottom of the fourth. Like, man, with the freaking rocket that got Cronenworth out by, like, half a step. I think if you're a Rockies fan, you just say, I'm a Rockies fan, the bullpen will blow it. Like, if they get just hand in hand. Like, it's just connected. Like, I'm a Rockies fan. Oh, you're bullpen. We don't need to talk about it. We all understand where this conversation is going. We're good. I'm just trying to get excited that we finally have, like, one, two, three. Like, after a Dodger series, like, I'm trying to find it. And this dude, Ona, on uh, the Padres, making his major league debut today, is a freaking giant. Are you guys seeing this, how big he is? He's, he's built like a middle linebacker. He should be starting for the New York Jets tomorrow. Like, he's huge. Anyway, um, so we're, we're riding high. We're riding high off the Dodgers series, right? Does that carry into this, uh, this Padres series? I think so, because the best part about the Dodgers series is that the offense, they went run for run against the Dodgers in L.A., where before you would either, you know, uh, we're either hitting lights out and we blow people out and uh, or the pitch isn't there and we get blown out. But 
we literally went run for run, high scoring games in LA. And I think that carries over to Coors Field uh, as soon as we get back there and against the Dodgers right now. I think we're, I think we're riding high on the offense and we can compete with anybody. So competitive games is, is good. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really just the end of that Giants series when we got Pilar and Givens and we came back and won that game to kind of end our losing streak there. That just kind of, I don't know, something shifted. And it's almost like we went the, for that two, three-week period where it's like there was nothing to be confident about. We're just all just kind of like, well, I thought we were good, but now – maybe we really aren't good. And then it just kind of got, it felt like it got in our heads. So like going into LA and getting a series, I feel like it just shifted and like, it's like, yeah, we can compete. And I think just the competitive nature of it, you know, LA and we did well, like watching these first three innings, four innings of this Padres game right now, like there's just a different demeanor about it. There was a picture posted by the Rockies this weekend. It was uh, Nolan and Fuentes hugging in the middle of the infield. And Nolan actually looked legit happy. And I haven't seen him happy all season. And he, he didn't even – he didn't do that well against the Dodgers. He went two for 12 with two RBIs and way too many strikeouts. But, it, like, he's happy. And I think just that piece will carry on wayward son type thing for a while. Like, we're going to compete now. Those two RBIs were huge, though. They were, I think, yes, they were. two outs, late innings, tied games, and he came through. But it, you're absolutely right that that's the first time that we've really seen Nolan kind of get out of his shell and actually be a little bit happy. And I wonder how much Fuentes has to do with that. Like, I have to imagine if I'm playing ball with my cousin, then, like, you know, I feel a lot more free and I just feel uh, – I just have – you literally have that family element uh, to your ball club. So I hope that carries over for the rest of the year and Nolan can kind of let bygones be bygones and we can move on from here. But, you know, there's still, I don't know, what, 20 games left, 25 games left, 30, something like that. 20. We're 20 and 20 at the 40-game mark, so we got 20 left. Yeah. We're, um, we're good. No, Nolan's like, he, I mean, he's hitting like, He's getting like one for four, one for five games, but those RBIs are just so huge. He's getting timely hits, and that's at least we, we're getting that, and obviously the stellar defense. But I I wanted to touch on Fuentes a little bit because you would want to like, touch him. Well, that's just <laughs> kind of understood, but um, he's he's filled in there at first, and it's just like. He's playing great this year. And how cool is that for Nolan to play on the same team as his cousin in the pros and see him doing well too? Um, I was kind of wondering, like, you know, what we talked about if Nolan's happy or not. But if Fuentes comes in and steals a first base job and just starts killing it, then he might want to stay a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. And Fuente is, is doing it with the bat. 993 OPS, six RBIs, 370 average. He's doing it. And the dude is a stud defensively. He is such a huge upgrade to Murphy. I mean, that doesn't take much. But he is fantastic with the leather over there at that corner. So 
there's, there's got to be something to that. I mean, if Nolan or Fuentes want to come on and talk about it, I mean, come on over. But there's got to be some kind of family element, comfort zone. And maybe it's just – maybe Pilar and Gibbons just were the the weight off the shoulders. Like, hey, we we are – we're coming in. We're the veteran um, experience. We got this. You guys can relax. We'll extend the lineup. We'll We'll buckle down the bullpen. We'll help this team. And – Maybe that was enough. I think it might be showing. I got to be honest, though. Like, watching Fuentes at the beginning of this year and last year, you just watch him, and he was out of his element, like 100% out of his element. You didn't really understand as a Rockies fan, like, why he was why he was up, really. Um, but this Dodgers series especially, he's, he's proved that he can play at this level, and I think that he knows that, too. And so now that's just going to carry over for the rest of the year. And I think it's his job to win at this point. Like the confidence is super high. He knows he can play at this level and I think he's ready to go. And it's, it's going to be super interesting. Like if he does play this well and McMahon still struggles, he got to start tonight and Hampson continues doing Hampson things who, who is slowly becoming my favorite Rocky right now. He is fun right now. Um, but like that right side is getting getting loaded up. Like it's I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's fuck you, Josh. Um, <laughs> but like there's a competition for two spots between three or four guys right now, and that's a good thing. And we're kind of solidifying our outfield as we go, and some pieces are finally going together. Oh, yeah, Pilar, Pilar Tapia. Fuentes and Hampson are the catalyst for all of our offensive movement right now. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And th those are all like somewhat fringe players where they're like just fighting for their spot. I was thinking the same thing with McMahon where it's like, I, I mean, not to like give up on him as a career type of thing. Cause he was such a high prospect for us, but um, this year, just talking about this year, it's like, how much longer do you really give him that opportunity? Because, like, every game is just it, – it's now or never. Um, and then kind of goes back to Dahl, too, when Dahl's healthy. If Pilar and Tapia are tearing it up, Dahl's going to be a fourth outfielder. Which is a good problem to have. And it's going to be interesting to see how Buddy Black plays it out. Um, with this series, as much – is what I'm looking forward to most in the series, not other than the jerseys, obviously, is uh, Michael Clevenger throws tomorrow. And I can honestly say I've never seen him throw a game. So I'm kind of excited to see what he does just because baseball type stuff. But we, we face him and Davies over the next few days. So, oh, face the number two team in the West after we just beat the number one team in the West. I'm feeling good. We're zero zero in the bottom top five right now. Papa Murphy flied out, um, but yeah, good things happening, right? It's we and it's weird that again sports. It's weird how like two games, three games can just change your mindset completely. Yeah, like, it's it's just interesting because the way the the season is set up, all you have to do is get in. So like, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, if we won the wild card in a normal season compared to this year, like, we'd still probably be facing the Dodgers, you know? So, it's like 
all you got to do is get in. So that's, it's actually really exciting for me just seeing how many teams are competing. And it's like, I wouldn't be upset if they just expanded the playoffs every year. As a manager, it's really interesting because it, it allows you to be more short with your leash with people. So you just ride the hot person all the time. So you got a person like Daniel Murphy, who's, uh, I believe an ex batting champion, um, World Series MVP type of guy, um, and then you got Fuentes, who's a fringe major leaguer, who's outperforming him right now. So with a short season, you have the opportunity to just ride those hot guys out, and you don't have to provide an explanation of why he's playing over somebody like a Murphy or something like that. So it's just really fun in general, and every game means that much more. Whereas in 162, you know. It's hard to watch every game. It's hard to say wins and losses uh, matter that much in the short term. But right now, it's it's fantastic baseball, honestly. Yeah, and, I, I've loved it. I've loved it. Um, I honestly, if if you want to keep people more engaged, like this might be kind of a setup that you want to do, like shorten the season, expand the playoffs, and it just automatically makes every game more intense and more interesting. It's. I don't. I didn't think I would like to expand the playoffs. I. I. I don't think they'll do it. I don't want them to do it here on out. But your argument is a good one. Like, I'm watching a lot more because every game means more instead of just April and May and then August and September. So, you might be onto something. I wonder if they're gonna like drop how many games they play. It's gonna be interesting what he does. Baseball just all the way around playoffs. We are going to add a little five-minute deal here, trying to just switch it up. This week in baseball, we did a few weeks ago, thought it went well. And so we're all going to come back with a a story each about what happened this week in baseball. And we're just going to go off the cuff. None of us heard any of the stories that anybody else had. And we'll do live reaction as Sam Hilliard hits in the top five. And just kind of overall broad – Broad stories around baseball, some fun stuff, some sad stuff, some happy stuff. Uh, So, James, why don't you start us off? Well, uh, this is a story that probably everybody's seen, at least in the headlines, is that uh, rest in peace, Lou Brock um, passed away today, which is unfortunate. Um, Hall of Famer, he he led the MLB in stolen bases eight times which is amazing. And he's one of only five players to steal a hundred bases in the 20th century. That's pretty crazy for baseball being almost 150 years old. He's only one of five players to steal a hundred bases in the 20th century. Like in a season. Correct. Yeah. That is crazy. Him and Ricky. Ricky probably is the other four. Um, well, he's one of five players. Uh, Ricky did it multiple times. And then there's another guy. Does that, get, does that count all of Ricky Henderson's aliases? <laughs> um, that's a great question. You, you got me flabbergasted on that one. <laughs> I honestly don't know. No, that's crazy. Uh, baseball reference here quick because there's another guy I had never heard of, and I'll be really interested to see if you guys ever heard of him. He did it more than once, too. Yeah, the Lou Brock thing is very, very sad. And it's always it's always nice to hear, like, when 
as bad as sad as it is that how great of people these players are like there hasn't been one negative word said about Lou Brock like as a person as a player or anything and that always that always makes me a little happy inside too it's just human beings there is some decency all the way around I mean, it's sad that he passed away, but at the same time, like, he lived a full, great life and did amazing things with it. So I kind of look at it as a celebration of just a great baseball player. Vince Coleman. Have you ever heard of Vince Coleman? Vince Coleman. Um, I, heard, I heard of Vince Coleman, like, after I started looking into Lou Brock. So, <laughs> yeah, know, that's how not, I got it. It's not like a – you know, household name like Lou Brock is. And that, that was the same story I was going to bring up too. And it's just kind of, it's kind of cool. Like looking back and seeing how baseball was at that time. Cause it's just like nowadays, um, people aren't stealing much over like 60 stolen bases. So, to, so to think like somebody was stealing over a hundred bases five different times in their career, that's just, it's insane. And it's just, it's just cool to kind of look back and, and look at his career at just like a different type of player than what you see today. Yeah, so out of the five guys that, that stole 100 bases in the 20th century, only two of them did it more than once. And that was Ricky Henderson, of course, and then this guy named Vince Coleman, who's an interesting case because he did it the first three seasons he played in the major leagues. And then after that, he was just pretty average player at 264 average and never stole over 90 bases again. I mean, every year, of course, went down. But Lou Brock, second all-time stolen bases. So uh, first in the National League. So that's worth something. Worth a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I, I, think, uh, I think Vince Coleman was probably just like, a, hey, you are extremely fast. Just, like, try to get on base. <laughs> and that's, that's his only job. Kind of a thing but yeah Lou Brock was kind of an, an all-around player um I think it's six-time all-star but yeah it's, it's sad Vince Coleman was Willie May Hayes every time he popped it up had to do 10 push-ups <laughs> the real fact <laughs> we'll get the stat guy on it yeah that's that's nuts I miss the stolen base it's so much fun to see like Story who's pretty much our prominent stolen base guy do do his thing. I miss it. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Lou Brock. My story is: Have you ever heard of a general manager getting tossed of a, out of a game? No, Me neither. It is 2020, everybody. GM Mike Rizzo of the Nationals um, got tossed by Joe West and his crew um, against the against the Braves um, a few days ago. So, brace yourself for this. So, Joe West was asked about it. So, just understand who Joe West is and brace yourself. Joe West was asked about it. Um, so, how, why did you kick out Rizzo? Why? What were you doing? He said, enough is enough. I wouldn't take that from a player. I wouldn't take that from a manager. If it was Donald Trump, I'd eject him. But I'd also still vote for him. Just typical Joe West thing. And Joe West is definitely on the record to think the coronavirus is kind of a hoax and the numbers are off and doesn't believe in wearing masks and all that. So uh, it was just very interesting that he just had to add that last piece into it. But Rizzo was chirping from his suite. So all the GMs get to watch the games and uh, from the suite box. And he was chirping down there uh, about balls and strikes. And 
the umpire, I uh, trying to look up his name here. It was a crazy name. It was like, you're out of here. You're gone. And then Joe West went over to the monitor phone and called security to go get him. Hunter Wendelstead stepped away from the plate, turned to face the stands and yelled, you're out, while cocking his thumb out of here. And Rizzo, Rizzo was just saying, you've got to be kidding me. This is horrible. Be better type stuff. And just enough is enough. Like it was, it's so it's hilarious. 2020 where you just hear everything on the field and a GM gets kicked out. That's crazy. So that brings up the question. So if you can toss a GM, can you trade a GM? Because if you can't. <laughs> I mean, the associative property says if you can do this, then you can do that. So I can trade a player. I can kick out a player. If I can kick out a player, that means I can – or kick out a GM, I can trade a GM. So should we – Put it out there, Rizzo for Breitich. Yeah, give me a GM that wants to argue balls and strikes. I'm all down for that. Yeah, can we all send a message to Monfort, please? <laughs> Everybody send an email to Monfort at ColoradoRockies.com. Please trade Breitich for Rizzo. But, oh, that's great. If you know anything about Monfort, he's very responsive to fans. So your message does. <laughs> We'll start his political campaign right now. But yeah, a little, just a little, little fun stuff there. Um, so thank you for listening to Blake Street Banter. One of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are along for the ride. Go Rocks! Thank you for watching. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple's Podcast, or Google Podcast by looking up Blake Street Banter. Thank you.